It's Dave O and Killian White's KC Press Box, powered by FanDuel. The KC Press Box, where you get the sports headlines that you care about. Plus, learn to make cold, hard cash with the Sportsbook 101 that teaches you every aspect of sports investing. The lineup is ready. The players are set. And now, let's head to the KC Press Box with your hosts, Dave O and Killian White. And then there were four. And then there was opening day. Major League Baseball. Welcome to another edition of the KC Press Box. So much to talk about. Even some NFL news today as well. It's Davo and back from the dead. Who are you? Sharpshooting Killian White. <laughs> Killian. Herpes back. diagnosis yeah. rescinded. Yes, you had herpes. So how did it, it go? Just, it was like one week. It's gone. Yeah. You just put a little no. cream on? <laughs> no, no. The COVID is gone. Uh, I got a little bit of chest stuff still going on. But yeah, all good. Probably can't even hear it on the microphone. So yeah. little chest stuff. By the way, this is a really weird question. Do you have chest hair, by the way? <laughs> very, very little bit. It's spra- I imagine it's you're not being hairy at all. I'm not very hairy. Yeah. I don't know why I'm imagining that. Yeah. <laughs> well, this Casey if, Press Box is off to We're interested. <laughs> yeah, this is this must be the after hours edition yeah. of the Casey Press Box here. No, how are you? Everything going well though. You you had COVID uh, to be real. Uh, you know, I was thinking about you. You're doing a lot better. I can you know you're still wearing the mask. This is your last day of having to wear the mask, right? Right. Yeah, I, I do have it off. Uh, don't tell. But for well, the, I'm for the, the, for the microphone because uh, yeah, my levels are usually a little lower than years in the first place yeah but uh but yeah no feeling feeling back to normal so we're all good there for those who don't know he sits about what are we about six, we actually are about seven feet apart something like that yeah if but, i laid down I mean, yeah i'd be about six yeah maybe six feet so we're we're in the appropriate measures but um go. lots to touch on in this episode man like i said um saturday uh college basketball we're going to go over those games and mm-hmm. you'll, you'll have some interesting odds from our friends at fanduel sportsbook about the different matchups it yeah. could be we're going to talk a little nfl uh talk a lot of kc royals there's actually a lot of stuff to talk about on this episode just in the last week um that's popped. Um, we'll start with college basketball in a second. Can you believe, though, that it's already opening day tomorrow for Major League Baseball? Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. I guess the weather's kind of... Uh, Lulled us to sleep. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's cooperating today is my point. Well, I mean, yeah, tomorrow it's going to be, what, 70 and windy. So, uh, you know, I'm guessing it's going to feel like the upper 50s or something out there. there but it should... you, you will be in attendance? Tomorrow will be my 28th consecutive opening day for the Royals. You went last year. I thought you had a cat thing. What, what do you mean, like cat thing? I thought your cat was unhealthy last year. Well, maybe she was, but I, I was know. I was at the game. I don't know. This will be 28 in a row. I'm not missing the Royals opening. It would have to be like literal like life and death. Like yeah. somebody would have to be in their deathbed for me to not be. You know, that spans me living in one, two, three, four, five different states during that 28 in a row streak. It's been my mom and I had all 28 because the first uh, eight years, I, of course, was a kid and didn't live here. So, um, yeah, and then came back and met her when I would be out in the East Coast working radio for opening days. And we've just kept the tradition going. So it's it's pretty exciting. Um, so I'm very excited for opening day tomorrow. Also, uh, my girlfriend and her son will be going to their first ever opening day oh, tomorrow. So we don't have seats together, unfortunately, because I have season tickets, but yeah. they're only one section over. So maybe there you go. maybe we'll be able to you know sit by each other at some point during the game. But yeah. um, well, let's start with college basketball, man. First of all, I'll just I'm just gonna have to tell you I apologize that last week <laughs> I was way off on the majority of stuff. I mean I got a couple of them right. I was right on Gonzaga winning that first game. I was right on K State. I lost the lock though. I was wrong in Tennessee and Alabama. I shouldn't say I was awful at it, but it was it was I not mean, my best week. To be fair, it was one of the craziest like Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight weekends ever. I mean the, the first time ever no ones have made it to the Elite Eight. Elite Eight, yeah. You didn't yeah, and then you have well I, I think I saw the it's it's UConn's been in six Final Fours. 
Um, so the, the whole stat was the the final four teams have been in six final fours combined. Yeah. Zero for Florida Atlantic, zero for Miami, zero for San Diego Strait, and six for Connecticut. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll talk about those games. Did you have any bad beats this past weekend? I just felt like the last week was just like I just like laid down with my <laughs> legs open and let somebody kick me in the balls over and over and over again. It was like... Every damn game. I I was talking to you about that yesterday off the air, obviously. It was like I kept putting in. I, I hit some straights, luckily, at the start of the weekend on the Thursday, Friday games. Mm-hmm. You know, I had K-State on the money line. Same, I had Gonzaga yeah. on the money line in the Sweet 16 games. But then I went big on this. I loved my lock of the week last week. I had mm-hmm. I Alabama, Tennessee, and Creighton on a money line parlay. It just seemed like free money. Yeah. And Creighton took care of their end of the bargain. But then... How did the SEC and those two schools just get? I mean, they were they just ended up looking like frauds out there, Killian. What happened? Oh uh, no, yeah, it was definitely frustrating. I had a really good like first round of the Sweet uh, Sixteen, the tournament. No, I'm talking like the oh the, the first round weekend, of 64, yeah, like the round of thirty two. But uh, yeah, last weekend was rough for me too. I uh, I did not have a great week. Alabama was definitely a big one. I think you had them to win in at least one bracket. I had them to win in my main bracket. So that that was a big one for a lot of people. Um, well, Tennessee just like. <laughs> I don't understand. I just I don't understand what happened. I just I don't get it. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, no, that one is. I, I mean, now it seems like I would love to see something weird happen, but UConn's definitely the favorite. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, we'll we'll see if we both agree that with that here in a minute, and we'll go over those two matchups and and pick our champion now that we're in the final four. Um, and so no real true bad beats. I mean, I didn't have yeah. any like literal point spread bad beats cause I took pretty much all money line stuff, but I mean yeah. like I had Creighton on Sunday against San Diego state and that was just a part of my French complete horseshit call. We'll talk about yeah. that in a minute too. That was a rough one. Um, but that, I mean, I had some rough heartbreaking ones, but you know, nothing like the week before when the Gonzaga game, you know, and, and there was a couple of weeks before that there were bad beats. So I'm guessing you just had a, a bad week like I did a weekend. Yeah, just a bad week. The first two, I mean, there was tons of money line parlays that hit, and then they just weren't following the second week. But uh, yeah, I, I went pretty big on like Princeton when they beat Mizzou. That was a good one for me, like certain things. But yeah, this last weekend, I think the K State the first win, and that was about it. All you had to do is bet almost all the underdogs, oh, and you would have been killing have, it. Have you seen that video of the guy that said they did it last year? Yeah, he, he just put a hundred dollars on every every. Did he end underdog? up like up two grand or something? Yeah, and this year I'm sure he's doing even better. Yeah, I mean, imagine, imagine if you'd been picking Florida Atlantic on the money line every I, single I've round. I faded them at every freaking step of this tournament. <laughs> Here they are in the final four. I mean, what was our lock before that? It was the Memphis game where they, yeah, they uh, Memphis blew that one, and then Florida Atlantic beat who the next round I can't even remember. I mean, Memphis should have that that game. Honestly, Killian, that Memphis game. If you think back to the first round, if Memphis get if if they call the jump ball. Mm-hmm. Or not? Sorry, if they the don't call out. the jump ball, if they call, if they call yeah. the timeout that two different players were signaling for, two different players in front of the ref for a full second before he was tied up. Mm-hmm. Memphis goes to the foul line up one with like four seconds left, and most likely, when most likely they win that game. Right. I mean, eight out of ten chance they win that game, if not more, if they're going to yeah. the foul line up one, shooting mm-hmm. free throws with four seconds left, four point seven, I think it was. So this whole thing never would have happened. But that's what we talked about coming into the tournament. That's what's so tough about this, but also what makes it so special is that. It's all such a domino effect, man. Yeah. It's like if one if one thing happens, it changes the whole tournament. Like because one team that ends up winning, maybe they're a horrible matchup. For example, Kansas. Kansas, if it wasn't Arkansas they were facing, would have won that game. That was the right. one team that was just really a horrible matchup for them. It's like, but somebody else winning or blowing it or a call going somebody else's way can screw up the entire tournament. Is yeah. my point? Because it's like it's so much just based on what happens 
in the first and second round. That's why it's so hard to predict it, right? Because every yeah. matchup's different. And that's the fun of it. And I mean, I'm not suggesting they change it or anything, but that's like the difference in these one games versus like a series or something. Like right. with a series, you really are kind of trying to shake out who's the better yeah. team. With this, there is a lot up to chance, and that's kind of what makes it fun, and that's what why it is the madness. I don't that it hate is. the idea but, of like having the national championship be a best of three. They'll I, never I would do buy it. that for the the championship itself, but yeah, yeah, be like a best of three or something. Yeah. But I mean, I think the way it is is the way it should be. Yeah, you know, I I, I think that I, I I don't like the NBA. I love college basketball. Mm-hmm. I think college basketball is just so freaking fantastic. Yeah, such a big fan of college basketball. Okay, three main takeaways. You want to start? Uh, go ahead. You want me to start? Okay. Um, well, this this is a hot take here. Jerome Tang in Kansas State. I want to talk about Kansas State, and this is a very hot take <laughs> considering where we live and where we're around. I'm going to get like major hate for this. Can I say he's overrated? Can I say, can I say he's hokey? His act is just tired. Like, I mean, like he goes into the locker room of Florida Atlantic with cameras on him, of course, (laughs) to go in to make sure he tells them that they're tough son of a guns. He makes sure he doesn't cuss because he's great for the sport and great for the brand and great for the young men. But the cameras are always there. If you notice. And, and then like, they're celebrating in their own locker room, like, and not, and not to be a dick, like, you know, like I under, like for example, I understand that us compared to Jim Rome, we're nobodies, right? Or mm-hmm. us compare, like, if you compare radio hosts or podcasts, and I, so that's what I'm doing. What I'm about to say here, like, he's Jerome Tang. He's been there one year. I mean, it's Florida Atlantic. It's not like it's Bill Self or Coach K going into the locker room right. or Jim Beheim or Tom Izzo. Like, it's like, bro, you've been a coach one year as a head head guy, right? Right, like it's not like you have this mad street cred and are you know like that they're going to be in awe of you coming in to talk to them and congratulate you. I just thought that whole thing was so hokey. I mean, like of him going in there, he does all this stuff and the cameras always happen to be there. I just can't help but wonder if he's just looking for the next job. And I just I don't think I do not think Kansas State is that well coached. I, I think Kansas State all year. I mean, Noel and Johnson. I mean, Marquise is the I, I, the dude was amazing, but he's out there. They've got to know when to rein it in. Like they're, I mean, five yeah. or six times in that game that they lost the other day, you know, they're throwing full court passes, fifty feet up the, up the floor, out of bounds. That happened five different times. Like after the second or third, you need to rein it in. It's a it's a mm-hmm. possession type game. It's going to be decided by one or two possessions. You can't just be throwing the ball around like that. They, you know, like I don't know, man. I I just. The fact that he's out there shooting threes from like the logo, and he and they're like, oh, he can make them. Yeah, he makes like one out of four of them. I kind of thought the same thing. Like yeah. he makes it one out of four times. Of course, mm-hmm. he makes it sometimes. But like, is that a better percentage than running a freaking offense? Right. Like actually running an offense with back picks and like, like you know, like they, they got the ball to the other big a couple of times, cleared out for him, and he took that big seven footer there for FAU right to the basket. Like mm-hmm. they didn't do it ever. Like right. it's because the whole thing was the Noel show. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's not a great player, but it's like. I don't know, man. Like, I just don't think they're that well coached. I think he's that. I think he, in a way, they are because I think they just run motion. He lets them just run. The, he, he lets them just play. Mm-hmm. So in a way, he does let them just play their style, which is, I mean, the Rucker Park. You got two guys from New York City there in the starting lineup on the team there, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's tough, hard nose pickup type ball, which works in the Big Twelve, and it's worked, and they had a great year. But I just, I don't think they're that well coached. Like, I, I just don't think there's that much coaching going on. Offensively, at least. I don't know, man. I, I know I sound really... I know a lot of K-State people are going to be pissed at me for saying that. And I know it's probably not a hot take. Do you have a thought on that? I just didn't. Think, I just don't think they're that great coached. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much of a And take. I think he's hokey. I, I think it is kind of hokey. I do think that there was definitely like an aspect of like planning and press and all that to the... To the um, 
locker room thing. I just thought that like it did get perceived a little bit, and like in a place where social media is so critical that yeah. like everybody was just like this guy, he's so good. Like no nobody had a name. Like I I get it. Like be positive, but yeah, no, I get what you're saying. And I did absolutely think that like the, in the second game in particular, the the uh, offense ran a little bit too much through Marquise Noel. Yeah, just because like he's the New York guy. He had a great yeah. game. It's all the story and all that. And like yeah, he, he, I mean he's the point guard. He, Averages like, but what, the whole offense got stagnant. They right. just stood there while he but dribbled also, around. Also, he's like five six, and if he's the only dude doing anything, you can shut him down pretty easily. Right. And so, like, I, I don't know. I just thought that they leaned a little bit too hard on him in this that game, which wasn't his fault, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, I don't know. I guess he did sling a lot of those threes from the logo, like you're talking about. I don't know. They had a fantastic year. They were picked dead last mm-hmm. in the Big Twelve preseason. So I'm not trying to take away from the year that they had, and I'm not trying to. I'm saying they're extremely talented. Mm-hmm. I just think it's more about the talent and, and more so, and I think it works in the Big 12. I don't know that that style works in some other leagues, but that's a different topic for a different day. Um, second thing, man, I mentioned, I touched on it a little bit earlier. The officiating at the end of that Creighton-San Diego State game was just purely asinine. I mean, I feel so bad. I mean, how is that a foul on Ryan Nimhard on that? Like, he touched his hip. He, he pushed his hip like three inches during the shot. Like, kind of give him a love tap. The entire game, San Diego State, you know, you got limbs lying on the floor because they're they're hacking crate and they're physical the entire game. Both teams barely made the bonus the entire game. There was no There was no foul trouble in that game. There was no fouls being called the entire game. And it's not like he got hacked on the wrist or the elbow when he was shooting that ball. You're really going to call like a hip check, uh, you know, on a chance to go to the final four in a tie game with one second left on a runner that right. was a low percentage shot anyways. Mm-hmm. You're really going to call that there? I mean, I just I just think, and, and I'll admit I had Creighton on the money line, so that was part of it. But, like, that just, I don't know, man. That that to me was just absolutely horrible. I feel bad for Nimhard, and I don't like Creighton, you know that. But, yeah. I mean, they got hosed on that. Now, with that said, it shouldn't have come down to that. Creighton forgot how to shoot the basketball in the second half. They couldn't score any points. They didn't play that well um, in the second half. I mean, they, they the sad thing about that game is that Creighton led for, what, 35 minutes, 34 minutes of that 40, something like that. I mean, they led almost the entire game. They were, you know, up five at the half. They were consistently up four to seven points mm-hmm. uh, the first half, the majority of it, and some parts of the second, and then just fell apart. So, but I mean, I'm assuming you agree that was a horrible call, or do you did you like the call? I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I hear both sides of it, and like the other side is that you know it's kind of the same thing people were saying about like the Chiefs, and like you have to call it at the end of the game; it can't be different than the rest of the time. But if it's not different than the rest of the time, then you don't call that foul based on what we saw the rest of the game. If it was one of those games where you're getting all the the fouls and it's everybody's in the bonus and everybody's in foul trouble, then yeah, sure, call that. But yeah, but they haven't called it all game. Based on the game they officiated, I think it shouldn't have been called either, especially tie game to like that, like yeah, that With one un- second undoubtedly decides the game like 100 percent for sure. Like yeah, it, it's rough. I mean, well, and the other thing too is people are going to be upset no matter the what. The other thing but. is, I kind of feel like NFL. I kind of think pass interference is different than like a common basketball foul, just because mm-hmm. there's a lot more. I mean, what is there? How many? How many team and personal fouls are there? What is there? Probably. I have never That's counted true, but, 40, I'm guessing, a game probably on average yeah. in college. You probably have 40 fouls. How many PIs do you got? Four a game? Five? Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, it's a lot more. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just thought that. And I think it was, I think it's much easier to make a shot through contact when, you, when you've been lying. You've been out of contact the whole game, right? Yeah. I think it's easier to, allow, to have that still go in and, and run your offense versus yeah. being grabbed. And the shoulder when a ball's in the air and literally not being able to run to it because you were being held. Like I yeah. think it's, but I I hear you. I know what you're saying. Like I I heard I read that a whole bunch on right. social media. And I I thought it was I get the point, but I I don't think it's kind of like 
apples. I, I don't yeah. think it's apples to apples. I think right. it's different sports and and different. And the final thing, actually, I'll give you a bonus one too. Um, the final thing is that the SEC ended up getting exposed. I mean, not like the Big Ten. My Big Ten got completely exposed. I mean, mm-hmm. Purdue is just a. Um, we knew we knew Purdue wasn't going to make it past the Sweet Sixteen, but no, I mean, they lose that early. Really. No one had them. Yeah. I mean, like, but the whole Big Ten, and Michigan State was the only team, you know, that put <laughs> the Sweet Sixteen. I mean, that's right. That, but the SEC ended up getting exposed pretty well too. Missouri loses uh, to Princeton, and Alabama chokes. Um, Kentucky blows a lead to Kansas State. Tennessee chokes. Um, so they didn't end up being quite as strong as I thought they were going to be, even you know five days ago. But and then one thing I do want to mention a bonus here is just I thought Kansas State did a great job hosting the NCAA tournament. I was at the game. Uh, the games on Friday night. Um, I wish the games would have been more competitive. There wasn't much. And I mean, the, the second game, which is brutal, the Xavier Texas game was over. You could tell that game was over seven minutes into the game. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like that Duke Tennessee game when you watch that, you knew Duke was going to lose that game. Like when they couldn't inbound the ball. Yeah. Like just normal. It wasn't even like a press. They just couldn't get the ball <laughs> inbounds. That, like, I, I knew then they were going to lose. And I knew early in that one that Xavier was going to get their asses kicked. And then yeah. the first game was competitive in the first half, the Houston Miami game. But man, Miami, what a story they've been. But I I, I just want to give props to, to KC for another great event. T Mobile Center, all the people down there, Kathy Nelson from the Sports Commission here in town. I just I think it's a first class venue, first class, just like the Big Twelve tournament. Same thing. They run it well. Um fans turned out. Um I didn't go I did not go Sunday, but I did go Friday and mm-hmm. it had to have been eighty five percent full. Yeah. So it was nice. Well Anything else you want to add about college basketball, or does that cover it? Uh, I mean, my takeaways kind of lined up with yours. I definitely have that. Um, that I mean, Alabama really depends on Brandon Miller. We saw that in the game they lost. He had a terrible game. They didn't win the game. That's that was basically the, the factor for me. Wrong place, uh, wrong time, I guess. Right. <laughs> facing facing the t- Aztecs there, right? Yeah. Just also one a takeaway that I just kind of took away. Um, I had Miami and Florida Atlantic losing in the first round. <laughs> I had Miami losing to Creighton. I had Florida Atlantic losing to Memphis. I think you had Miami winning, but you also No, had... Miami didn't play Creighton first round. I thought they did. No, Creighton was in the lead eight. Or not, well, Dummy. I said, not, I said Creighton. Drake. Drake. Sorry. No, I had Miami winning that game. I had Miami in yeah, the Sweet 16. Right. Sorry, Miami. Over... I believe in that team and Jim Laranang. Yeah. I know they're good. And I and, I and they did, won the ACC. And I, did, I just took the Mo, the Mo Valley pick there. I didn't know much about it. but Florida Atlantic, I had. Well, yeah. But, we Obviously, we had, we were both huge on Memphis in yeah, the first right. round. And if Memphis wouldn't have been fighting with each other on the sideline in the huddle and, yeah. you know, something, you know, they should have. Whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm not gonna say they should have won the game because it was a competitive game, but yeah. they, they could have won. Would have been nice. And if they get that, you know, if they get the uh, the timeout call, they probably do win that game. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. Well, I agree. Well, well. Okay. So let's go ahead then. Let's preview the two games and uh, this weekend on uh, Saturday, and then we'll get into some NFL notes and do a Royals preview. So mm-hmm. let's start off here. Uh, Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. It's still minus two, isn't it? Do you have the lines up right uh, now? Yeah, well, I have them up right now. It's minus one and a half for San Diego State, but that's juiced to minus 120, so it looks like it might go back to two. Uh, if you like San Diego State, go ahead and probably get that in now. Um, the over-under is at 131 and a half currently. And uh, for the money lines, uh, San Diego State's minus 137, Florida Atlantic's plus 114. So this is a game, don't you think you could fill out, how many brackets would it take you filling out to have Florida Atlantic and San Diego State playing? Do you think if you filled out a thousand brackets, you would have had it ever? No. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so either. I mean, I ten thousand. My, my best chance was would probably be like hitting the random generator on one of those websites yeah. and just getting one that because they did say that like point. 
oh two or something. It's like some small percentage that still is thousands of brackets had this right. It's because they did, it's because they put in like a hundred brackets or two hundred. Yeah, you have to wonder if like these were people that like actually had pretty good brackets or the brackets are just absolutely terrible, but they managed to get this right. Somehow. I'm sure it's got to be a couple like Florida Atlantic fans sure, or yeah, alums. And then they just happen to throw in San Diego State or vice versa. San Diego Maybe State. Maybe they have connections to both schools somehow. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I bet something like one out of a hundred thousand people have this matchup or right, something yeah. like that of real people that fill mm-hmm. out a bracket. But um, the nine versus five here. So San Diego State, we talked about it. They're physical, physical, and more physical on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they want to muck up the game. Um, not an extremely talented team on offense. They get the job done. They've got some guards that can make some big shots, but it's more of just a physical, long nightmare of a team to face on defense. Um, I truly think, Killian, this game comes down to how it's called by the officials. Are they going to let San Diego State ride them all up and down the court and grind on them? You know, Is, is it going to be Mosaic on a Saturday night and get <laughs> away with it, or are they going to call those fouls? Um, if they call them fouls, I think Florida Atlantic will – Definitely win the game if they let them play. That's a little bit more, uh, you know, of, a, of an issue. But FAU is much less physical as we know. We know this. They're quick. They rely on their quickness and their shooting to win. They do, though, have Vlad Golden, the big seven-footer, who showed up big time against Kansas State, and they bring in Rosado off the bench. So they aren't totally just a four-out, spread-the-floor offense. I know that's kind of the lazy analysis. Then that kind of is what they is. But they do have some low-post presence. They rebound the ball surprisingly well, by the way. Florida Atlantic, but I mean, I love Vlad Golden coming off 14 and 13 against K State. Um, Florida Atlantic, um, I just think they're going to get the job done here, Killian. I, I think Florida Atlantic wins this game. Um, I love AROP, by the way, of San Diego State, um, just because he's a Nebraska kid. I'm going to give a little shout out to my Nebraska kid, and he's gifted and physical down there on the block. So that'll be interesting to see him banging a little bit with Golden and Rosado. Um, I just think, though, in, when it's all said and done, Florida Atlantic gets the job done. I, they, they're a better offensive team. They rely on the three. They can shoot the three. If San Diego State ends up really mucking this up, I still think they can hit just enough threes. Now, the question is, how will Florida Atlantic match up defensively against the physical guards of San Diego State? And that's a great question because we haven't really seen Florida Atlantic face a team like that in the tournament, the team that bullies you. I still think, though, definitely if the game is called semi-close, I definitely think they win. Even if it's not, I think their three-point shooting just barely edges them out in a fantastic matchup. What do you think? Yeah, I'm a little bit iffy on this one, but um, I think that you're right about the officiating. I think that based on what we saw last game and the, you know, the – um, criticisms over the weak foul at the beginning and then the the no fouls throughout the game. I think that it probably does get called a little bit, you a little know, bit more. more more sensitively or whatever. Like yeah. they, they call more stuff, and so that kind of does lead to Florida Atlantic, like you said. And also, I've just been like I said, I've been fading them at every step of the way, and it has not done me well. So I, yeah, I'm leading with them on this one too. Okay, you're probably so you know what's gonna happen. No, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> We know, we know how it works. Yeah. If you, I guaranteed, if you put money on this game, guaranteed San Diego State's gonna win. Hey, I'll just, I'll just stay away then. That's fine. That's fine. Okay, the five seed Miami taking on the four seed UConn. What's the latest line on this one? So we've got a minus five and a half even juice over under is at forty one forty nine and a half. So, I mean, UConn has just been killing people. Oh, I know. 
I mean, just destroying people. They make they made Gonzaga look like they're a multi-directional school. Like they're mm-hmm. playing Southeast Missouri State or something. The way they just shredded them went right through them, man. Uh, it's going to be a little bit more of a test, though, here, I think, definitely. They're facing the ACC champs in Miami. By the way, a lot of people don't realize that Jim Laranega, quietly, is one of the better coaches in college basketball. The dude took George Mason and Miami to Final Fours. <laughs> George Mason and Miami. Like, that is, yeah. why is nobody talking about that? <laughs> Um, Isaiah Wong is going to have to have the game of his life here. ACC Player of the Year, mm-hmm. you know Miami's best player. Same with Jordan Miller. Jordan Miller's right there with him. They're just talented on the perimeter and the wings. Those guys are going to have to stay out of foul trouble. They're going to have to shoot at a high level. I love the way Miami spaces the floor and the ball just moves. I mean, they they they're like the exact opposite of Kansas State. Like Kansas mm-hmm. State, we were talking earlier. They just like stand there and dribble and dribble, and he jukes around and jukes around. And does, you know, there's a back cut at the end and he makes some great pass off penetration or he ends up hawking up a horrible three. But it's like that's like their entire offense. Or you get Keontae Johnson hawking up these fadeaway jump shots or or the jump shots just in the three point line, which, by the way, is is the most horrible shot in college basketball. Why do you take shots two and three feet inside the three point line? Either get to the rim or shoot threes. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so stupid. I see a lot of teams do that. But my point being is Miami runs the exact opposite. They run a really well uh, – they can score in a, in a variety of ways. They play team basketball. It's harder to defend that. Um, I think they could win this game, Killian. I just don't see how they can stop Sonogo down low mm-hmm. or Hawkins or Caravan or the other five UConn studs out there. Uh, UConn can, can play a lot of guys. You know, they have a great backup to Sonogo, the, the freshman seven-footer as well. So they got plenty of depth. I think UConn wins in a closer game, closer meaning eight to ten points. So I'll take UConn here in the minus five and a half. I think they cover, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Miami could win this game. We'll, we'll still give them a one in three chance at winning this game. Yeah, I uh, I thought you were going to take Miami with your small margin of victory or whatever you said, but nah. but I get small relative to the other games compared to what they've been doing. They've yeah, absolutely kicked ass. But yeah, uh, that I mean I kind of got to go the same way. Con- uh, UConn's been, I mean, rolling over everybody. And if you look at Miami, they're well coached. They're playing really well. But I mean, they they were down. They should have lost that game to Texas, probably. Yeah. And I know that you wish they would have as a better on Texas. I yeah, Texas. Oh, I should have brought that game up too. Yeah. yeah. I actually bet a little bit on the Miami money line, so that one checked out for me. But um, I took him outright to win here against um, Houston. So when, I called that on the show. Remember that? Yeah, I did say that did, last yeah. week because I thought there was a good chance they went outright. And so I, at, outright. Some, at some point, I think it was like Sweet 16 or something, I did put 10 bucks on Miami to win the whole tournament. I don't think it's going to happen. But, it's, well, but what were the odds then? They were uh, plus 130. So I, what? Plus 130? Maybe it was Elite Eight. I don't know. Oh, I was going to say to win the whole thing? Yeah. Sweet 16, I probably would have been like plus. No, it must have been Elite Eight. 2000 or something. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, they were plus one thirty. So, or that's a plus one plus thirteen hundred. Jeez. I oh, I was I, gonna say plus. We're one on a gambling th- show, and I'm messing up. <laughs> I, I was yeah. about to. I was plus about to. Plus thirteen hundred. I was about to scold you and say, Killian, that's horrible odds. No, Why that would is you bet ter- that? Terrible odds. Yeah. Yeah. No, ten, ten to win. So thirteen to one. That makes yeah, sense. Thirteen to one. Sorry. Jeez. What would it be now though? It probably is like plus two hundred now or two. Well, I, I know that because like, really, whoever wins that game is probably gonna it. win it. Okay, I'll find that in just a second. But I know that Connecticut is uh, is minus money. Everybody else is plus. I mean, don't you think whoever wins that game probably wins the whole thing? Probably. Okay, so we got UConn at minus 125. Not a bad bet, honestly. Uh, then we got San Diego State at 390, Miami at plus 450, and FAU at plus 550. Yeah, I don't see any possible way Florida Atlantic could beat UConn. Yeah. I think San Diego State would have it outside. That would be an interesting matchup just because of how they muck it up and how physical they are and they, you know, they slow it down. Like, 
I don't know. San Diego State maybe could give – you have to assume yeah. they could give UConn problems. They give everybody else problems well, they've been playing. We were talking about that a little bit before, too, because FanDuel has – I don't know how this works, honestly. Um, I'm guessing if you bet it and it doesn't end up coming to fruition, you just get your money back kind of thing. But they have the lines out for all four possible matchups. Oh. So it, it's there's no money line. There's no total. What uh, are they? But uh, we got FAU-Miami. If that's the matchup, we've got Miami minus one and a half. Oh, let me guess from now on. Don't tell me from now on. Okay, sorry. Yep. Give me the next one. Uh, FAU plays Connecticut. FAU versus Connecticut. That'd be Connecticut minus six and a half. Yes, actually. Exactly. No, it's not. Is it really? Six and a half. It's juiced to Florida Atlantic at six and a half, but it is, that's the line. All right, next one. Connecticut and uh, San Diego State. Connecticut minus five. Four and a half. But okay. it's juiced to the gonna go to five. Um, all right. And then the last one, because I told you the first one already. Uh Miami and San Diego State. B Miami minus two? Uh Miami plus a half. Really? Yeah. So it's basically a pick. Yeah, so that one's just a pick. But uh but yeah. So I mean the definitely the biggest win margin they think is if UConn plays FAU, which basically one through four, it's Connecticut, uh, San Diego State, Miami. So we do think it's UConn and FAU. That's what we both agree with, right? Yeah. That's what our prediction is. Mm -hmm. And then we both think UConn wins it? Yep. Yeah, and that's the biggest line, the minus six and a half. There you go. By the way, I will be out next week because I am going up to Nebraska to take care of my mom during her surgery. So there will be no pod next week. So you and I won't even talk about – we may not talk about college basketball again because by the time we talk again, it will have been like a week and a half. Since the next, yeah, it will be old yeah. news. But I've enjoyed doing this tournament with you this year. It's been a lot of yeah, fun. Me too. Um, I'm both happy and sad I missed last week because I would have been right there with you making bad picks. But <laughs> Well, in fairness, my picks – now that I think about it, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was because I said I, I liked Miami. And I said they could – I said take them to win out. Right, yeah. they did not right. I liked Gonzaga. I liked Creighton. I got those right. The That's problem true. was I just have these money line parlays. Like I think, th- yeah. I, th- I think it was just that like we have we hit at such a high clip on those uh, yeah those lock of the weeks for us to miss two of the three legs was like that's unheard of. It never happens. Yeah. And we've lost back to back lock of the weeks, yeah. which I think has only happened once. One of the time, yeah. Yeah, there will not be a lock of the week by the way today. Well, I guess we could give one. We could give a college basketball one. You got two choices. Yeah, I was gonna say because <laughs> I was gonna say because it's baseball and then we don't have the Lions yet or anything. But I, I guess I suppose we could do. Should we do one at the end? Sure. Okay. No, let's not. <laughs> I don't like either of these matchups enough okay, to call them a fine. lock. I don't want to. I want. I don't want to call something a lock if it's not a lock. I. I just don't think. I think of the, which one do you like better of the two? I uh, think I like UConn better. I do too. Yeah. But yeah, I think UConn's the better play. If you want, if you want to pick, if they want the strongest pick. It's not quite a lock. I'm not going to call this a lock just because Miami is talented enough to either win or definitely keep both in five. I mean, it could be a thing where they just barely lose, too. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. Well, let's start with, uh, before we get to MLB real quick here, let's do a little NFL action. What's going on with Lamar Jackson, Killian? Where is he ending up? Uh, It sounds like not the Ravens, if he can help it. So it's not going to be the Ravens. It's not going to be the Jets. We're assuming Aaron Rodgers, one of these days, will eventually, you know, officially be traded there, right? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the Falcons said they're out. Desmond Ritter has been named the starter. Arthur Smith said they're not interested. Huh. So that leaves, like, the Colts. That leaves, like, the Commanders. Um, who am I forgetting? I mean, that's like the Texans. There could be teams I, like that. But I, I'll try and find. I don't even know if it's on the FanDuel Sportsbook, but the odds for where what he ends his up. team, yeah, Lamar's next team. I would think Baltimore's probably the favorite. Like, maybe they're, like, minus 150 or something. But I've got to think he's probably getting traded. And I, I just don't see... Why would you want him there if he doesn't want to be there? And he's, you know, he's going to keep taking off games anytime he gets hurt. If he's even banged up, he's not going to play. So I, I just don't think you can really. We saw that last year. He could have played. 
in the playoffs if he wanted to. Yeah. Or, or not the playoffs, the end of the year to help them get there, but he didn't. So um uh, this article's a couple weeks old. There probably isn't one on there. But anyway, do, do you have an opinion? You have do you think he stays with Baltimore or he leaves? I will put it that way. I think he probably leaves because I mean he's kind of like forced our hand. Yeah, he's kind of like I don't know. He's he, he's not getting paid what he wants, and I think he can't go back on that now. Yeah, uh, where he goes, I I do think the Colts would be a great place. Place that seems like a good landing spot for him, based on what a lot of people are saying. Um, Can you imagine but, him on that turf? How fast he'd be? Yeah, but it, it is strange, and I mean, it's the question that every you know sports analysis show has been asking. But like, why? Why is no one interested? He's a he's a twenty five or six year old superstar. I think he's around twenty seven, like very uh, soon. Yeah, actually. he's right around my age, but he's a little bit more accomplished and richer. But no, that's <laughs> not true. Come on, definitely richer. That's that one's not for. Debate I don't either. see him working for Steel City <laughs> Media. True, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So he, it is strange. I mean, the fact that he's this young and capable ex MVP that like I mean he started the year off really well last year and that nobody wants him. I mean, I just think it's because they lost the OC there. I think it's a very specific kind of offense he's run and if you yeah. don't have that offensive coordinator i think people are probably nervous to i think people are wondering if he wants to play it's like yeah. it seems like everything's a business decision and i understand that you know the every other sport basically gives guaranteed contracts except for the nfl professional wise yeah and i understand that he you know he he, he saw what happened uh to uh kyler you know with the tear and right and, and it, as you know you know the same thing could happen to him. He wants more guaranteed money and all that. I get yeah. that, but it's like at some point too, you got to decide if you're going to play or not. Like, if you yeah. do, you want to play or not? Because you're still, you're still never going to have to work a, a day the rest of your life, exactly. no matter what. I mean, it's, hopefully, unless you're, if you're smart. But yeah, but you know what I'm saying, though. Yeah, no, but absolutely. I think that a lot of it just comes from the kind of quarterback he is. Like you said, it, like that system. But even just him being the mobile quarterback, we've always heard he's going to get hurt. He's going to yeah. get hurt, and I mean, he's gotten hurt like minorly or like you know, not not ter- how many more years terrible. can he keep this up? But, but that's what I'm saying. Like the. He's like a three. He's like a receiver or something. They have a shorter shelf life because, like, the second they lose their speed, he's not an elite passer. He's he's a good passer. He's he's mm. definitely become better, but okay. but he's not elite. I think on a good day he's league average. Yeah, at, at passing the ball. I think he, yeah. I mean he's, I'm not saying he's an average quarterback. Mm. I'm obviously but, his. But that's my point is that like these stand in the pocket and like make amazing throws quarterbacks have a lot longer shelf life yeah. and i think that's a lot of it is they're just like I, we don't want to get into something long term like he wants with this guy that you know could be well especially because you don't know how motivated he is to play when he's banged up right exactly. i mean he proved that and then the falcons coach pointed that out yeah. you know when they talked about that so um it'll be interesting to see on that one aaron Rodgers, we think are still going to the jets roger goodell do you, do you like roger goodell it seems like he seems like the owners love him i i don't know i i, I feel like he is and any commissioner is villainized a little bit, all the problems that, like, you know, come yeah. are put on him. I think a lot of it, really, that, like, the, the public dislike of him comes from the fact that, like, so- football's been softened, you know, that, like, oh, you know, yeah. we're, we're trying to make touchbacks happen instead of, like, uh, returns. We're, we're, you know, we're treating the quarterback with kid gloves, all this stuff. But, and like, taunting I, and but all But I think that. a lot of that is just he's the one that has to take the flag for it. What they're really doing is trying to help the longevity of football i mean football <laughs> the injuries are terrible i mean it's yeah the the shelf life of the like we just said that's it's not good and like anything they can do to help because it doesn't it's not that just you you have to have these guys be able to play of course they're all going to play that making millions of dollars to live in their dreams but like you have to have parents that are willing to put their kids in football and get them started or there's you know there's no there's that's no what i ask you do you think in 50 years is football the same as it is now i i don't know i've heard people say that like uh, that's going to be like the next spanking your kids is like you, they let their kids play football. Like I could see it. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. I don't know. I just think it's so ingrained though by now. Yeah. 
you know, we're a couple, three generations deep into football being such an American thing, especially, you know, right. different parts of the country, too. Like, you know, Texas and Florida oh, yeah. and California and the South. I mean, it's big everywhere. I'm not saying it's Absolutely. not big in every state, but it's really just like kind of like basketball is in Indiana. There's certain states, too, where it's just like, you know, drinking water. So, yeah. Um, Thursday night football getting flexed. Now, now each team could also play two Thursday night games. We saw Patrick Mahomes tweet about that, and Roger Goodell actually got asked by it. It's amazing how much pull now and clout Mahomes has. Oh yeah. Um, they claim it's you know it's just. And then one of the owners was saying oh, it was time to put the fans first. And I see the Chiefs tweeting like, "What about the players that have yeah. to play the game first? Right. So now each team can play up to two Thursday night games. They will begin flexing them. I don't think they have an exact week. I'm going to guess week nine. What about you though? I'm sure it's because Amazon's paying all this money, and you know, and, and yeah. they're not getting what they're paying for. They're getting these horrible matchups. But does this really screw with the competitive balance if they can flex Thursday games? Because now it's like, I mean, think about it, they're going to want division games and playoff implication type games. I think Sunday and Monday get the first dibs, but then. I mean, they're going to end up with some pretty decent games that could decide divisions. I mean, teams might be inconvenienced by playing on a three-day week, or conversely, they may get a big benefit and have 10 days off versus divisional opponents or other people trying to make the playoffs against them that don't have that same Thursday game or whatever. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know. I mean, it makes me think, and I'm sure that that, um, what happened this year was worse, but it makes me think of that whole situation with the, the Bengals and the Bills game where, like, just every single contingency makes its own problems and, like, there's always going to be someone claiming, hey, this isn't fair because this yeah. team had that. And it just opens the door for a lot of criticism and stuff like that. I do get that Amazon probably dropped billions of dollars on on football and they're mad that there's literally, like, memes being made about how they have terrible games and, <laughs> yeah. and they're, like, low scoring and no fun and, like, you bet the under on all the games and stuff. So, like, I'm sure they're trying to get away from that. They, they got they sponsored this for you know a reason to, to bolster Amazon's image, not you know make it a joke. So like I'm sure that they're they're very upset about this, and there's like execs and all that stuff. Remember so, Al Michaels was even talking trash yeah. about the matchups. Yeah, I mean it's so always I, great when you're play by play guys, you know, talking trash yeah. about the network and the matchups. And I mean, as someone who does that on a on a infinitesimally smaller level, like I understand that you have to make the sponsors happy and that they yeah. pay the bills and they're like you have you know. And so I'm sure that that's what they're trying to like walk the line on right now is like we got to take care of our players, we got to make sure that this is still fair for everybody, but like all our money's coming from Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Man, there's there's lots going on with the NFL. Uh, McCole Hardman, one last thing here. Chiefs still no wide receiver moves. He goes to the Jets basically for $1.2 million guaranteed. And yeah. I don't know if you caught the, the press conference where they asked him. So did the Chiefs uh, try to bring you back? I don't know. I never heard anything. I, I'm My agent never said one way or the other. I'm guessing if they had made an offer of some sort, I, the agent would have told me. So I don't really know, to be honest with you. Come on, dude. Like, don't be stupid. I'm sure you didn't talk to Brett Veach or Andy yeah. Reid or your position coach or anybody with your organization or anybody in the front office. And I'm sure that your agent didn't tell you anything that the Chiefs talked to them about. Come right. on. Like, come on, bro. And then he's out there making excuses why he didn't, you know, well, I was never going to be the guy because they had Hill and Watkins. Well, just why do you say that? Like, just you were people liked you here. You had, you know, I got two rings. Just move on. Yeah. Like, why do these receivers always leave here and feel like they have to throw shade or whine? Whenever they leave, I don't understand it. But my point uh, it was just like to validate themselves because they feel like they got to get out from that umbrella of Mahomes and being maybe. good because of him and all yeah. that. Yeah. What, what about the Chiefs still not making? Last NFL question before we get to MLB. What about the Chiefs not making any wide receiver moves? Because a lot of people are panicked about this. You know, a lot of the dominoes have fell. It's, it seems like DeAndre Hopkins is not going to end up mm-hmm. moving, maybe. Certainly not coming here. 
Um, so you're getting down to your, you know, Odell Beckhams and drafting a guy, trading up. But the real interesting one that I texted you about this morning is the Chiefs have been inked, uh, linked to Brandon Ayuk, and that would be interesting to see if Brandon Ayuk ended up, you know, coming here for some. Because the these Niners last year, the Niners don't want to pay him, and the Chiefs have plenty of draft capital. The, the Niners do not have a draft pick in the first two rounds either. Yeah, and he really came on last year too. I mean, Debo is probably their main guy still, but he had. I think more yards. He was definitely their downfield guy, and I would love to have him. He's kind of a big body. He's fantastic. Yeah. Here. Uh, we also talked, and I don't know how feasible this one is, but like a guy like Chris Godwin would be amazing to have. Cooper Cup. Cooper <laughs> Cup would be cool. Yeah. Uh, They're yeah. going to have to trade, I feel like. Yeah. Isn't, I'm sure, but my point is, I'm sure that it's not like Brett Veach is like, oh, no, we're not going to give a million to Hardman. Uh, oh, crap. We didn't give him a million. Now we're screwed. Oh, uh, we didn't think about this possibility. Yeah. Like I'm sure if Brett Veach wanted McCole Hartman, he was here. I'm mm-hmm. sure if Brett Veach really wanted Juju, he was here. I'm sure Brett Veach is not. I'm sure that like, that they have one or two guys they're going to get in the draft that they already know who they're going to get. They'll trade up if they have to. They have so much capital, and I'm sure he's got probably one of three, you know, targets that he knows will be yeah. available via trade that he has the draft capital to get. Don't you? I mean, people are acting like the Chiefs have swung and missed on wide receivers and they're screwed next year. Like, do you really think Brett Veach? And Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes haven't gotten their heads together. You think they don't have a plan? Come on, people. Wake up. Yeah. There's definitely something cooking. I know there's some people that are saying, hey, it's, it's going to be Darius Tony and uh, No. I just don't think so. Sky Moore. You can't count on those. You can't count on Tony to be like, healthy. I, I, I think Darius Tony ability-wise could maybe be a wide receiver. You can't one, but count he's just, on him, he's just not, Yeah, like you said, he's just not healthy for enough games. Sky Moore and then you barely put, saw the field. And then you got to get Sky Moore MVS as your two. I mean, no. we just need a little bit. All those guys is two, three, four. Right, is fine with Kelsey. Yeah, you know, so Mm -hmm. yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. All right, MLB opening day tomorrow. How about that, Killian? How about it? Yeah, big day for you. I know every year. Yeah, so I do want to get your thoughts here on the uh, some new renderings and some new uh, rumors and and things about the new stadium possibly and and the location that it could be going to. Let's get to that here in a second. Real quick, though, I'll go through the the roster here. Uh, Starting rotation-wise, we are penciled in with Zach Grinke, Brady Singer, Jordan Lyles, Brad Keller, and Chris Bubich. Uh, Bubich probably just a temporary guy in that five hole. Uh, Daniel Lynch was going to be in the rotation. He'll start the, uh, the, the season on the I.L., um, Killian, I think you'll see Jonathan Heasley, Ryan Yarborough, Jackson Kowar is the next man up mm-hmm. um, to start. You know, they've got some other guys down in AAA that could as well. Um, starting rotation for this team, blah. I mean, Singer, I think, is a stud in the making. I, th- I think he got something like a 33% strikeout rate this spring in a very small sample. But we saw that last year, too. He's starting to strike out a hitter printing and turning into a, a, a guy that they're not going to be able to afford here pretty soon, especially when they went to arbitration with him over a couple hundred thousand dollars. It's embarrassing. So I suspect he's going to bounce here in a few years. But um, I love Brady Singer in this rotation. Um, I do think you'll see one of the three, Bubich, Keller, or Lynch, take a big step forward with the new pitching coach and, and the new the new management and all that. Um, so, you know, if they could get two of these young pitchers, Singer plus one other, to turn into essentially what Singer was last year, mm-hmm. if those two do their thing, and, and if Jordan Lyles can just be a guy that gets you 175 innings of four and a half, you know, and Grinky gets you 130, 140 innings of four and a half, you know, if they can get a couple of these guys to just be decent, I think their rotation could be at the – at the upper end of of the bad spectrum or the lower end of average, I think they could end up being in that tw- nineteen to twenty three range. 
um, if everything goes the correct way. I, I'm still not quite convinced that just in one offseason, a new pitching coach is going to turn all of these guys around. But I certainly think they could be better, and I'm certainly intrigued. So we'll see what happens. I don't think this will be a strength, though, for the team. I do think the bullpen can end up being kind of a strength. The back of this bullpen, Killian Scott Barlow. Mm-hmm. Closing or Wallace Chapman's back there uh, in the eighth, and he'll get some closing duties too, especially when there's tough lefties involved. Be interesting to see how uh, Matt Quattaro does manage his bullpen. We don't know yet because we haven't seen him as a first time manager. But Dylan Coleman, I'm intrigued by. I've always been intrigued by him with working with a new pitching coach and Amir Garrett, if he can hone in the walks. Uh, I'm intrigued by this bullpen. I think this bullpen could end up being a league average, maybe slightly above bullpen. Mm-hmm. So, all in all, if everything went Kelly in the way that the realistic best case scenario, this could be a league average pitching staff. That would be if everything went perfectly, though. Well, so I know that you were big on getting the uh, the pitching coach out of there last year. Have you yeah. have you just have you seen any changes yet that are promising, or is it kind of too early? I think it's just too early to tell. I mean, and another problem was you had guys like Brady Singer, you know, not you know, World Baseball Classic. He wasn't around for half the spring. Mm-hmm. He was wasn't getting as many innings, and uh, yeah, and then of course um, the other thing was that. Um, you know, you've got. Uh, sorry, I'm typing at the same time. Um, you got some guys injured. You know, like uh, like right. Daniel Lynch, for example, um, and stuff like that. So it's tough to tell, but I am very hopeful. Yes, about about where they're going. I mean, for example, one thing I will say is Brad Keller has never had a curveball, and apparently the new pitching coach taught him a curveball. You know, in a few weeks into spring training, he's now throwing a curveball that's pretty decent. So that's huh. that's a, a big development, and looks not a very good indictment of. Uh, Cal Eldra, the worst pitching coach probably in Major League history that we had, and that's not hyperbole. He <laughs> arguably could be the worst pitching coach in history of the sport, and I know some inside things that I can't say, but just trust me. Offensively, this team should score a decent number of runs. I think this is definitely a league average offense. Um, to me, this is just like a league average is slightly below league average team, right? And the, the, uh, spoiler, alert, spoiler alert, I think this is probably a 77-76 win team. I don't know if they quite get to 500 this year, but I think they should be a lot better. Um, but offensively, um, Salvador Perez, I'm a little concerned about him hitting in the three spot. I've never loved him in the three spot. I get it. I know that that's, you know, you just got, you don't have that many, you don't have a proven number three hitter really on this roster. I get it. But I don't know. Like, and then Fran Mill Reyes could be hitting before or after him. Like that's two just free swinging home run hitters that if they don't hit a home run or a double, either either out or good luck trying to score them from first base. It's going to take two to three hits to score them. They're so slow. Probably two hits, but it kind of clogs up the lineup. So I hope they don't end up doing Reyes and Perez back-to-back in the lineup. That's one of my big fears here. But, I mean, look, the, the lineup, you know, not the order, but the lineup will be Salviat catcher, Vinny Pasquantino, who should have a big year at first base. Uh, I think he's going to really benefit. Um, he told me, actually, last year. Listen, I asked, that's your guy, isn't it? Yeah, it is my guy. I asked him last year, um, <clears throat> is, is the no more – um, shift going to help you? And he goes, that's not going to affect me. He goes, what's really going to help me is the pitch clock. Uh, he, I think he likes the idea of getting in a box, staying in a box. Pitchers can't dick around. And, and maybe pitchers get panicked into throwing more pitch, you know, less time to think about it, less time to prepare, less time to rest between pitches. I think it does probably favor the hitter. He th- at least that's what he thinks. Uh-huh. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how he does. I think he'll have a big year um, at first base. You have uh, Michael Massey, who's had, I think, five home runs this spring at second base, been hitting well, the college product out of Illinois. You can call him Michael Massey. Mashy if he keeps mashing home runs like this. Hey, there you go. Get Bobby Witt Jr. at shortstop, Hunter Dozier at third. I think Bobby Witt's going to end up being a, a probably a top 25 player in baseball this year, uh, maybe even higher than that. The ceiling on this kid's ridiculous. I mean, he's got 30 stolen base upside, pushing 30 home run upside. 
Uh, the defense should be a lot better than we saw last year. He's much better than he than he showed last year. Dozier at third, I'm not counting out much from. I'd be surprised if he finishes the whole season over there. But he's got this year and next year in his contract. He's been hitting the ball better. He's been keeping his bat in the zone longer, hitting the ball at the middle more, which is a positive thing. Left field, MJ Melendez, this kid's talented. Look out for a big year from MJ. 25 home runs, 22 home runs. Surprisingly, a former catcher, still is catcher. Technically, he's backing up Salvi. They don't have the third catcher on the roster right now, so he is the backup catcher also playing left field. I'm sure we'll see Freddie Fermina from Omaha sometime in the near future as their true backup catcher. But MJ in left field seems to really be taken to that position well defensively. And then for now, it looks like Kyle Isbell gets the opening day start in center field. And then Jackie Bradley Jr., who they brought over from the Red Sox, uh, mainly from the Red Sox. That's where people know him from. Uh, playing in right with, with Fran Mel Reyes as your DH. So that's kind of your opening day rundown of this ball club. I, I think this offense... Uh, they're not quite as athletic as some of these past Royals teams we've seen, um, but I like what they're doing. Um, I do think Drew Waters ultimately is a starting center fielder once he comes up here from his oblique injury, probably sometime in mid-May when he comes up. You'll see a lot of was him. Was he also riding a four-wheeler? He, no, he was not riding a four-wheeler. <laughs> oh, yeah, my whole Cole Hartman. That was the rumor that he was riding a four-wheeler, and that's why he got hurt, which makes sense why they wouldn't want to bring him back on a yeah. one-year, one-and-a-half million if he's violating stuff. and. And doing that, but no, he was not not riding a four wheeler. I think though, Killian, this team will score some runs. I think they'll I think they'll be fun to watch, um, and I think they'll I think they'll be interesting. I, I think this team could push five hundred. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say seventy seven wins. What do you think? Does that sound about right? Seventy seven and eighty five. We'll say they finish eight games under. I think this team could win anywhere from seventy three to eighty three. Do you know what like, the line is on their wins? For the it's season? really low, actually. I can see it. So, Look at so up. you're looking at the over. I want to sure. say it's like sixty nine and a half. Like it's definitely over, but doesn't, see, doesn't surprise me that's your guess. Tell me what it is, real quick. Um, mm-hmm. I see what you did there. Sixty-nine, nice, nice, and nice. a half. Uh, okay, I'm trying to find it because like I'm on the Royals, but like I need like futures, right? Yeah, uh, MLB. Yeah, it'd be under futures. Okay, it well, should have World Series and it should have over unders on wins on there okay. as options. Win totals. There we go. Where do they have a set? We are alphabetical. Here we go. You guys are loving listening to this. Okay. I'm going to ask you for the whole division. I'm going to ask you for all okay. five. Uh, 68 and a half. That's it? Overs, yeah. Minus That's a definite over. And it's, just, it's a minus 115. Okay. Mm-hmm. What are the t- Detroit Tigers? Detroit Tigers are 69 and a half. One better. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Cleveland Guardians? Cleveland Guardians are 86 and a half. Chicago White Sox? 83 and a half. And Minnesota Twins? Uh, 84.5. Wow, so they've got the Guardians and Twins there, 1 2. There you go. The Royals get no respect in this division. I pound that over, by the way. If you can let money sit there for, what, six months, do it. That's that's free money. Um, now, I will say a, a few changes here in baseball. Last thing here is, of course, we talked about the pitch clock. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like, again, small sample, but games are being shortened by about 20 to 25 minutes by this. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, you're, you're a guy. You watch the Royals, you follow baseball, but it's probably your least favorite sport of the main ones. How right. does this yeah, appeal? This is meant say, for somebody like you, I think. Yeah, I would say for someone who's like more of a casual fan, I think it's nice. I, you know, that's one of the bigger complaints I think from a lot of spectators is that it's just, it's just a lot of downtime. And like football is too, but like 
I don't know. Football's different. I love football, and it's like kind of it keeps going, and it's nice to have like the little lulls. And well, there's more offense on football, right? right? Uh, yeah, but, I mean, even it, if you're not scoring points, you're getting first downs. But like, I I do like the picking up of the pace of the game a little bit for that reason. I I understand why the players might not like it, and I do. I've heard people say that they think that it shouldn't be around in like the ninth inning, maybe. So yeah, like, I can see that. And, and like, I'm 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 probably. Okay I can see with that. that. Like maybe the seventh, eighth, nine, you'd, right, you'd go just, back just because they don't want something like to end on like some ridiculous stuff. Like like kind of like what happened in the Creighton game. Like yeah. we, we don't want the game to end on a freaking like oh he clock, was one clock, second clock late violation now you yeah. walk the guy went home game's over yeah yeah like that, that, that will be, happen that, too oh, you yeah, know. oh yeah absolutely I think it's already decided a couple games in, in spring. spring yeah, yeah. So um, that's one thing. So you, you agree you like it? I'd say I like it overall. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting, though, to hear that you say that uh, Pasquantino was into it, too, because I guess as the batters, you would be more into it. But, like, I feel like I've heard mostly, like, negative things from, like, social media and stuff. So, yeah. like, I guess it just depends on the, the point of view even as the player. Yep. Wider bases, which will help with player injury, but also encourage more stolen bases. I mean, they, the, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, they're going to – I think it's an extra – is it an extra – is it two inches per side or something? It's it's considerably bigger. It's going to be easier to swipe bases, harder to tag a guy out, and, and then for injury in theory, allow more places to go where you don't step on someone's foot going to first. Or does that include home? Is home? I mean, it's not square. <laughs> no, not, not home. Gotcha. Just first, second, third. Yeah. Um, and then no more infield shift. Although now we're seeing teams do the two two outfielder thing, mm-hmm. like putting one of the outfielders in you know shallow right field or something, and just having a guy play left center field and a guy play right center field, which seems a little risky. I don't know how long that lasts for, but you can no longer shift in the infield. You've got to have two guys between first and second and two guys between second and third. So you can still kind of shift, but you can't do the old school mm-hmm. stick the third baseman in right center field and put the shortstop at second base type thing anymore. You can't do yeah. that um, any longer. Um, but yeah, that's those are kind of some of the main things with baseball. Oh, and there's no longer quite as much of the unbalanced schedule now. This is one thing I do think is going to be very healthy for the game that's not talked about a lot. Every team in baseball will play every team from now on. Mm-hmm. Um, so the division games, you, you won't see the uh, the Twins and the and the Tigers and the White Sox and the um, who am I forgetting? The Twins, White Sox, Tigers, and the and the Guardians coming in here three times a year anymore. It'll be twice a year. Mm-hmm. Um, less games against your division. Two series at each person's house instead of three. That will allow everybody to play everybody. So every year the Royals will play the Braves and the Giants and the Rockies and all these teams that before they were playing about every third or fourth year. And the, and they'll it'll be every other year in their place too. So it'll be cool. So if you you know so guaranteed you'll see you know. Uh, Bryce Harper and the Phillies will be here every other year. Mm-hmm. Or Machado and Tatis and the Studs and the Padres will be here every other year. So I like I liked that. It will give an opportunity to... Because to, it does get a little old seeing the, the same, same team, team same over players, and yeah. over and over again. And it kind of gives you a chance to see new superstars and new players. I think it's especially good for kids. Yeah, absolutely. So, Any other thoughts on MLB? No, I mean, we didn't really talk about the downtown stadium, but that's definitely... Oh, we should, yeah, you did, yeah, that's the last thing I wanted to talk about. Thank you, Ken. Yeah. So we are... The latest renderings and what I think seems like the one with the most steam and what I think it will end up being is is the talk now is the KC Star Building. It's you know since been deserted uh, since print media is unfortunately dying a slow death. Um, <laughs> that it would be built right there. There's a U-Haul over there. Some one of our friends actually owns a building over there, so he may be getting about ten million dollars soon. He paid awesome, six hundred thousand for it. It's probably worth a couple million now. But if they are going to have to have his land to build a stadium, he's looking at a five to ten million dollar payday. Yeah, right? Don't take that first offer. Don't take it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That first <laughs> offer, lay a little bit longer. Yeah, be yeah. one of the difficult ones. And get lifetime season tickets, too. Oh, that'd be cool. That's what you got to do. Um, yeah, take uh, take, take 500000 left in exchange yeah. for a lifetime season be like, tickets. wherever my building would have been in the stadium, I want my tickets there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
Um, Unless they're shitty. <laughs> what do you think, though, about that area down there, Killian? I mean, you know, for those who aren't familiar, right, on the other side of, of I-70, I, uh, across from the T-Mobile Center, other side of the interstate where the KC Star building, the, the big building with all the clear glass you can see into. It's a really cool building, but they'd be tearing that down and building the park there and kind of making it look kind of like Fenway on the outside with a Kansas City touch. I, mm-hmm. I'm sure you saw the renderings. What do you yeah. think about the whole thing? Uh, I mean, it's, it's cool. As someone who hasn't lived in Kansas City in my whole life, I really thought it was cool, the whole, like, dual park thing we have out in Independence. I love it for and getting the, in and out and of. The huge, yeah, it's great to get in and out of. It's great for tailgating. It's kind of inexpensive, but obviously that's, I think, I mean, that's what economic development is about. They want people to spend more money, and so it will be more expensive to go downtown because you'll be, you know, pre-gaming in a bar and as, as opposed to the parking lot maybe. And like you'll the, be paying for parking exactly. in a and like garage and stuff. It's all about, like, you know, the, the fan experience and the, like, going out before and after and all this. And, like, it's, I mean, you're going to spend more money. It's going to be really cool. And I, I, they they assure us that like the traffic won't be an issue and that they're going to have. How is that possible? I just though? don't know. I mean, it's so close. They to don't the have highway. any public. Tra- I'm sorry, your, your cute little streetcar is not the answer. Right. Like for I this. Mean, on a Friday night, that thing is full as can be. So like, yeah. For for a, yeah, Royals game. You got in the first few years, they're going to have forty thousand a night down there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how is that going to handle that? Like. <laughs> That's why I guess. I guess. If and with put, the World Cup coming here too, you would think they would just freaking the new airport get a damn public transit system. Why is it so yeah, difficult? Why can we, we not go from the airport downtown and then and then go from downtown to Overland Park, from downtown to Independence, from downtown to Liberty? Yeah. Why can we? Why isn't there not a way to do that? Yeah, I know. I mean, that would be great, but um, but yeah, no. I mean, I like the idea of it being a little further north if it is going to be near downtown, and I think it'll be really cool. It'll help the things develop. I think that a lot of these city planners and developers and these kind of people, the mayor, they look at other cities like St. Louis and different examples of, hey, they moved their stadium right downtown and it revitalized the area. It helped with development and everything. And that'll absolutely happen. I I mean, I think that that is at the cost of the consumer a little bit, at least financially, but it'll be, I mean, I'm sure it'll be awesome to state of the art, just like the... The airport. So we both agree we're looking forward to the stadium. We both we both admit it's going to happen, I and think we so. think probably twenty twenty eight or twenty twenty nine. The way they talk now is like it's just a matter of time. I would guess twenty twenty nine is when it opens. It could mm-hmm. be as soon as twenty twenty eight though. Yeah. I think the Royals probably have five more years. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, five or six more years for sure through twenty twenty seven. So I would say you know, you know, probably five more years at Coffin Stadium, possibly six. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's it is kind of sad seeing. That whole area just dying over there. You got the empty, you know, eyesore hotel, the old Adams Market across yeah. the street, and abandoned gas stations and, you and, know, and I, random I, Taco Bells and Denny's. They just never did anything. It's too bad yeah. they could never get that area developed over there. You're talking about by the old stadium. Where like, they're at, where it's at now. Now, yeah. No, absolutely. Because I've read, read a lot of stuff on that too. Like, I mean, yeah, it's not like, going to happen. It doesn't happen by now. The Journal article, like, write something, I'd read it real quick and stuff. But uh, yeah, nobody, nobody is moving out to live in townhomes around Independence right by the stadiums. And if it was going to happen, it would have already happened. It's not happening. Right. Now. And I, th- I think it's kind of like our, like, drivable town midwest mentality a little mm-hmm. bit too is like we don't we don't need to live you know we want it to kind of be out there and we can go to it and we can park and do our tailgates and all that i think people that live here love it but the people out of town oh it is it is hard for visitors it's the people from out of town that hate it and it's the people that love downtown here that kind of like not not to be kind of like the hipsters like you you're not a hipster though no. it's kind of your your uh your generation killian i feel no, like i get it yeah yeah old no, people like me in our early 40s here you know we like where it's at right now yeah. so but You're born in the early 40s. Shut up! I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. Well, anything else to add? I will say we are still 46 and 23 in the lock of the week. We're still sitting at 67. percent So, 
Uh, well, that will resume at some point. Uh, we'll be off for a little bit here. Um, you'll see us probably until football. I don't know. What do you think? Every two or three weeks, we'll have a new episode. Yeah. We'll definitely come back with baseball. And we'll have some guests. We'll have some interviews throughout the uh, – it's kind of our off season in a way. Like, we're really kind of a football and college basketball. Really, for us, it's like August through March. Yeah. So, it's like April through July is kind of our – that four months is kind of our every, you know, maybe – Every other week, type lot, thing you'll hear from us. A lot of that us. is based on sports betting too. I mean, the biggest—it's harder to do baseball. Sports to bet are definitely football and then basketball, and we kind of follow that. I mean, it's, it's just a, difficult it's, to get people and, and, and to give locks and stuff. The baseball lines don't come out till right, the day of, so you, you'd have too. to like almost just do like a two-minute podcast every day. But I don't—I yeah. don't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Not to mention, I don't want to. There's not a lock every day. The whole thing of the lock of the week is that there's one game a week. Like yeah, that's why like, I didn't we, get one we for this week. Force it. We have one that we like. Yeah. I don't want to tell you to put your money on something and call it a lock if I don't think it's a seventy percent bet. Right. You know, so. All right. Well, Killian, it's, it's been fun as always, and I'm glad you're feeling better. I appreciate it. The herpes are gone. The herpes are gone, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Until then. All right. We are out. Powered by FanDuel, it's the KC Press Box with Dave O and Killian White.